And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, our focus of attention will be about life beyond our world, UFOs, aliens, we have an amazing featured guest. She's somebody who's actually been on that show, Ancient Aliens, several times. You've probably seen some of her films. Before we begin, I just want to tell you that I am actively trying to make a connection with other beings beyond our world. And Jeff Casper and Yona Brindis from Heart Wars Radio, uh, respected healers, are always telling me, Ryan, don't do that. Don't try to make a connection. And I, I just can't resist. I want to make a connection. This is my biggest thing. Is that I just think humans are, are crazy. They're just, there's just something off about them. You know, I am very driven by learning, curiosity. I want to come in contact with beings that uh, are maybe passionate about evolution and they have a different perspective. I'd love to learn from them. You know, just that, I don't know. I just think that the universe... Humans cannot be it. There's no way that we can be the only thing out there. I don't believe that for a second. And I also think that, I don't know, I just think the human beings have to be on the lower end of that totem pole. There's got to be other civilizations out there that are way more peaceful, way more advanced. And I would like to talk to some of those civilizations, learn from them. You know, it seems that there's a lot of evidence that they're out there, so why can't we just connect with them? I think it'd be pretty cool. And, uh, you know, the world's crazy right now. It's going nuts. Let's just... That'd be a nice shift and break from all the craziness. Coming in contact with a peaceful civilization. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Let us begin tonight's show. It is a great honor to welcome to our show. It's Linda Moulton Howe. She's a graduate of Stanford University with a master's degree in communications. She's the founder and editor of earthfiles.com. She's won a national Emmy, several other Emmy awards. And you have seen her probably in every significant documentary there is about UFO, extraterrestrial life, investigative journalists. And I'll tell you, I watched this phenomenal documentary last night. It was about Antarctica. It was called Antarctica, Alien Secrets Beneath the Ice. And it'll definitely open your eyes. It's Bolton Howell. Welcome to our show. Thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you. And thank you for screening my most recent documentary about two years of trying to penetrate with whistleblowers about the fact that Navy SEALs and others have been on assignments in Antarctica going all the way back to at least 2003, and that in uh, Antarctica, alien secrets beneath the ice, you are hearing firsthand testimonies of a Spartan 1 and Spartan 2 the names are what they requested me to call them as uh, profoundly skilled soldiers. And Spartan One, 
I know his entire background. I know uh, and have seen uh, photos of him in Washington, D.C., in various events there. Uh, he is an extraordinary human being. And that when I was introduced to him through a mil another military colleague from a Marine background, and that he um, decided, he said, I would like to tell you what I know, but you're going to have to backlight and alter my voice. It was the beginning of two years ongoing to this date, the most difficult thing I have ever tried to do in my professional career. And I have done a lot. Very compelling. I'm As an investigative journalist over the years, why do you think that the idea that, that there may be alien secret bases beneath Antarctica is so significant compared to some of the other sightings that we've seen and been documented over the years? Why is this so significant? And what do you think it reveals about the history of humanity and what are the ramifications of it? I mean, what is the true significance of it compared to other documented cases of UFO activity? When I ask Spartan One, who has walked in these huge nine-acre rooms, uh, 30, 40-foot-high ceilings, two-mile-long hallways, was he ever given any indication or information in his briefings for the work that he did there about when was this huge structure built? And he said, no, do you have any idea, as a science and environment reporter, when was the last time that Antarctica was free of ice? That was in one of our discussions two years ago. So I set up, uh, out to try to educate myself about Pangaea, uh, if you go back uh, 200 and some million years ago, that the what we think of as Africa and Antarctica and Australia and on and on, they were gathered together in a huge landmass that for reasons that are still not clear but must relate uh, to the core dynamics of our planet, that they that Pangaea is what it was called, one huge continent, began to separate. And over the next hundred million or so years, there was a piece of land off of what we would call South Africa today that began to separate and moved over a hundred million years, for reasons also not quite clear, down to what we call the South Pole today. That was Antarctica. It is a huge landmass. It is as wide as the United States. It's a massive continent. Now, up until 34 million years ago, during all of that 100 million years travel from Pangaea, Antarctica was hot and tropical. It had dinosaurs on it. 66 million years ago, there was the huge asteroid that hit down in the Gulf of Mexico, created the Chickaloob Crater, and wiped out 95% of all surface life on the Earth, including all the dinosaurs. Well, this huge landmass was in the process of its migration down to the South Pole even during that. And it never changed its tropical, warm, fern tropical plants, 
tropical microbes, tropical everything, until 34 million years ago. It is a puzzle. 34 million years ago, this huge continent was still warm, still tropical. Something happened between 34 and 33 million years ago that current geophysicists do not know, and it began, the temperature began to fall, and snow began to fall, and by 33 million years ago, there were two miles of ice on this continent that for 100 million years had been warm and tropical. And then, between 33 million and 14 million years ago, it had built up the two to three miles of ice, and something happened again 14 million years ago, in which the continent began to warm. There were areas where the ice melted, and then by 13 million years ago, everything had refrozen and got deep, deep ice again to three miles in parts of the continent. So with that as a backdrop, it is a, a valid question. If we are dealing, as Spartan 1, and I've had another Navy SEAL who has backed up everything that Spartan 1 told me that is in the documentary you saw last night, another Navy SEAL has also been there as recently as this past year of 2019. Says that everything that Spartan 1 uh, describes is absolutely correct, and he gives me even more details. Um, in both discussions with both of these seals, the issue of when were 62-acre architectures, the second seal has been in one of the 62-acre sites in which it has 80-foot high ceilings. Why the massiveness? And if there are 62-acre sites and at least six of them, six 62-acre sites with three, uh, nine-acre rooms, when would such massive architecture have been able to be built if there, up until 34 million years ago, there's been all of this ice to contend with? Okay, so now, is 34 million years ago the answer or even older? And if it is, this is what the Navy SEALs have said to me, Linda, if these gigantic architectures that we've walked with our own feet are 34 million years old, then who, where, on planet Earth in the 21st century and the 20th century, who has the right to keep all of that knowledge from the human family? Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. And I want to go right to the next question, which is going to be about disclosure. Before that, I just want to bring to everyone's attention that some of these really great movies that I watched you in is how are it's called ETs Among Us. It's a three part series you can get it on Amazon Prime. And I have to say, I think those those three films are amazing, especially when you're talking about what's happening on Mars. When it comes to disclosure, I wonder how close we are to it. And I've heard a lot a lot of people say, well, you know, if it ever came out and it was universally known that Earth has been visited by extraterrestrial beings and this has been going for a while, it would completely shatter political 
and religious beliefs and the whole world would go crazy and when i hear that i couldn't imagine a greater thing happening how amazing would it be for people to no longer be bound in chains by these political ideologies that they are separate that they are not one part of one collective humanity one collective race and how wonderful could it be to see these beliefs that you are bound by a particular uh, religion or a spiritual practice and that you are not one with the cosmos having those beliefs shattered i think would be an amazing amazing liberation so i'm curious what is your perspective on that and how close do you think we are to disclosure whether or not the elites allow it to happen or whether or not the people demand it and let it happen themselves Disclosure happened on July 8, 1947, by the Roswell Daily Record and other newspapers in the United States when it was published that a flying saucer had crashed on a ranch in near Roswell, New Mexico, or between Roswell and Corona. That was disclosure. The uh, Truman administration set about immediately using counter intel that had gotten us through World War II because those are the people who are skilled with lies and deflection to turn the crash of a flying saucer on a ranch in New Mexico into a weather balloon. It was all theater. It was all a lie. It was all artifice. The true disclosure is what made the front pages of U.S. newspapers on July 8th. From July 8th of 1947 until this day, as we are talking on April 9th, 2020, 71 years later, our government, in collaboration with the allies of World War II, England and Australia and Canada and so forth, they have exchanged all kinds of information and film and radar and documents and autopsy reports about what they themselves call in their documents that have been leaked extraterrestrial biological entities of various kinds. And when you come to where we are now and you look back over Earth's history, it is also a fair and accurate statement to say that the wars of Earth have largely been fought between nations who are arguing with each other about whose God is superior to another's God. Whatever sent, set in motion with Homo sapiens sapien, the variety of concepts about something that was beyond biology and then that humans would end up killing each other in arguments over that is manipulative and must be held accountable throughout the ages for so many wars and deaths among humans. And this comes to the current situation. What we are waiting for is confirmation by the political systems and the power brokers that have their hands around the neck of Earth. And as we are waiting for confirmation, that means that the power brokers, whether they are extraterrestrial or human, that the power brokers of Earth are the ones that keep holding back confirmation. Meanwhile, I have interviewed so many people who have worked in military or intel uh, that 
will not put their faces and their names out because they've signed non-disclosure agreements and they work in classified categories that they don't want to jeopardize going to prison or jail, but have told me without no qualifiers at all. Linda, the universe is teeming with conscious life. And we know that some of it is neutral, some of it is friendly to us, and some of it is hostile. And what we've been waiting for is to get a feeling like that with the neutrals and the allies that we would be able to control any hostile move on the planet before we announce it to the world, having nothing to do with religions. Now, if they are waiting for clarification or they are waiting to confirm that the allies and the neutrals are strong enough to hold off anything out there that would be hostile to life on Earth, I think that was a moment that passed within the last 70 years, that we do have allies, they are extremely advanced. We do have interstellar trade routes. They are operated by Cyber Command in the Pentagon. I have no question about that. Really? I, I want to meet some of these allies. I want to meet some of these people. Why can't we meet these people? Okay. The aliens. It, it is a complex situation because humans are an abused species. And the abuse has been 10,000 years at least of power brokers manipulating humans with lies and deceptions in order to keep humans dumb and blind about the universe that we are actually in and about the, uh, we'll call them the other intelligences in the universe that have been power brokers on this planet and they are self-serving. So you have a history of humans being kept dumb and blind on purpose that have been serving other intelligences who have been coming and going in this solar system for 270 million years, according to a man who retired from the Defense Intelligence Agency, uh, wanted to meet me because of material that I have in my third book, Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 2, High Strangeness. It led to a seven-hour meeting, and it was without doubt the most extraordinary discussion of my entire life. And this man had worked for 23 years, as he said, monitoring and analyzing the competing in conflict manipulation of our planet by three extraterrestrial civilizations who do not get along. They are in competition. They go into conflict, but not the way we think of war. We think of bullets. We think of knives. We think of physical combat. He said, we are dealing with advanced intelligences in this universe who use a planet like Earth as a laboratory. And he said one of the things that eventually will be known is that a planet 8,000 miles in diameter with a 25,000-mile circumference, two-thirds of the planet deep oceans, he said it's a perfect laboratory and it has been fought over by extraterrestrial civilization. This is a, so this is a place where they're, they're battling. I'm, when it comes to communications, I'm sure you've probably heard of Dr. Stephen Greer, and he's got the C5 meditation, and I think that the way he describes it, I think it's, I've never heard anything like it before. This idea that we communicate, or all life can be communicated with 
because we're all part of one universal mind. So they have groups of people that actually initiate communications with C5 groups and they bypass the power brokers. And I love it. And I'm wondering, what is your perspective on the C5 initiations by uh, Dr. Greer? Do you think that is a step in the, in the right direction of having individuals try to communicate with peaceful beings? And do you think that there is a, a way for people to actually initiate this contact themselves without having to be under the thumb of these elite control freaks that are running, running our planet? Uh, no, I don't agree with his approach. And I think that where we are right now is that one of the things that the black world that has been trying to back engineer very advanced technologies for the last 70 years, what they began to discover is that they've done lots and lots of evolutions and advancements, and they've been working face-to-face with non-humans. But they've done it all underground. They've done it all in what is metaphorically called the big, huge black programs, not just in the United States, but in other parts of the world, including China and Russia. And that what they began to realize is that they could not trust what the non-humans were telling them, that a lot of what was planted in our hands by uh, theatrical crashes were red herrings specifically to divert the evolution of science on the earth into dead alleys, as it's been described to me. And that meant that one of the big challenges for Homo sapiens sapien is, how do we ever meet and communicate with non-humans that we could trust? I don't think that that has happened yet. So that means that we are on a planet that has been concocted for at least 270 million years, according to the DIA analyst, and it's been concocted by these competing civilizations who want to use Earth as a laboratory, and Homo sapiens sapien is one of the experiments. So right now, I think that we are at a huge crossroads, that um, COVID shows us that we are not immune from pandemics that would wipe out the entire population if we were not at least smart enough to start trying uh, to uh, use separation as a way to at least contain something as uh, annihilating as COVID, and that it has happened throughout the centuries, and it leaves the question, if governments don't know who to trust, how many of the pandemics have been a culling operation by advanced intelligence? We don't have answers even to that question. It's not about, I would say it's not about who governments can trust. I, I don't think the government should be trusted at all. I would, I would trust like beings that would want to destroy the planet over with the governments. I think that they've proven themselves to be the darkest of all things. And I wonder about this COVID-19. I know that a lot of people are affected by it, but in comparison to the world's population, it's only a small percentage of the people that actually have it. And I'm wondering if it is being utilized to get people to have a mandatory vaccine so we can get a biometric scan. You know, the fact that Bill Gates is in this thing, he all, he's all of a sudden invested in this. I don't trust that guy for one second, and I'll give you the biggest reason. Windows I 8. Di- I disagree completely. Really? I think, I think that Bill Gates cares about his fellow human beings and that he and his wife, Melinda, have been doing incredible work on this planet for a long time. Uh, I do think that there are humans in positions of power and leadership who would like to see Homo sapiens sapien evolve 
uh, and that the evolution can only take place when we can eliminate racism, when we can eliminate bigotry, when we can eliminate all of the uh, deadly sins, so to speak. We are babies in this universe, Homo sapiens sapiens. The first standing up Homo erectus, that happened only two million years ago. The man I'm talking about who I think was giving me a really accurate picture, uh, the DIA analyst retiring who wanted to talk to me about information I had in my Glimpses Volume 2, one of the first things he said, Linda, we have proof, our government has proof that these three competing civilizations have been mixing and matching genes and terraforming this planet Earth for at least 270 million years. And they have terraformed Mars, and he had a solar system perspective. So if we are one of the genetic experiments, and it happened only two million years ago, but that there have been three competing extraterrestrial civilizations for at least 200 and 70 million years, we are babies. And that's why, to me, as an, uh, a longtime investigative reporter and a TV producer, I like facts. I've always, always tried to use the pressure of facts and truth in my work. And what I see is that we, as babies, we've been harvested genetically. We've been manipulated as a species, deliberately kept dumb and blind by the competing civilizations. And now we're at a major crossroad. If the governments of the planet that are human would tell the whole world the truth, religions are not going to fall apart. Really? The stock market, no. How no, not, not at fall, all. How religions not fall apart? I think they were all based on the fact that okay, if you have all these no. civilizations that are coming in. no. No, I, I had a wonderful discussion about this with the DIA analyst in 1999. He said, the avatars of history, and that's where Christ and Buddha and Krishna and so forth are, the avatars of history, have been other intelligences who have been trying to interact with these babies, the homo sapiens sapien babies, trying to guide us. Now, if you get into the issue of what do the babies, the Homo sapiens, do with information provided by avatars, if they turn it into tribalism, that's another step of de-evolution instead of evolution. And that seems to me that the 21st century, we will either survive because we finally go beyond tribalism that we finally embrace that the homo sapien race, no matter, uh, or, or species, no matter what the race, that we've got a planet that is extraordinary and that the only way we are going to survive is to work together. As cliche as that seems, we've got to transcend tribalism. We have to transcend racism. If we do that, we may find that there will be collaboration with some of these advanced species. Yeah, if we don't, we're right. going to continue to de-evolve, and I don't want that to happen. Right. When it comes to the transcending tribalism, I, I don't want to be part of one collective uh, groupthink where we lose individualism. I feel individualism is so important, and I want to bring your attention to that. I personally don't identify myself as human. I don't think of myself as a human being. I think of myself as uh, a part or perspective of infinite consciousness, and 
I'm choosing in the spirit form to take a joyride as a human being for this particular life incarnation. So whether or not the human beings are created in the physical form, I'm not sure. I believe that uh, based on, because you're a investigative journalist, and I think that with the Outer Limits of the Truth, we've done a lot of investigative reporting in terms of interviewing people that have had near-death experiences or have died. One of our experiences of people that we've interviewed, I say that, okay, spirit will, will manifest in a number of different ways. It'll take on a number of different life forms. And that human beings only have the capability of reaching so many peaks. They're only capable of doing so much. So a human being apparently cannot be more than it is right now. Whereas other extraterrestrial beings have a different capacity, they may be able to do different things that human beings can't. So I'm curious, from your perspective and all of your years of being a journalist, have you ever seen any variance in terms of types of humans on this planet that had different capabilities of either manipulating their physical environment with just their mind, showing a different variance in terms of the capability of expressing love towards one another, or relating in any way, shape, or form that would be seen as dramatically different compared to the current human beings on this planet? Do you see human beings basically as only capable of reaching a certain peak, not necessarily reaching a great evolutionary jump because they are only capable of doing what their brains and what their bodies allow them to. Elon Musk told a conference of governors, I think a year ago, for humans to remain relevant in this universe, they are going to have to become cyborgs. And what he meant was to go out into space on a trip from Earth to Mars in some kind of a carbon-based propelled rocket system or a nuclear engine kind of thing. It'll still take five or six months. The human body, as it exists on Earth, is a very, very feeble thing. They, the big thing they know is that uh, solar par particles from the sun and cosmic rays are going to penetrate most vehicles that we would send between the Earth and Mars, and that will cause possibly cancer and various things from particles hitting our uh, genomes in our chromosomes. And we're not a species designed for space travel. That's what Elon Musk is basically saying. So the evolution of how we're going to go forward as a species with space traveling Elon Musk is supposed to be responsible now for building a base on Mars. At least that's what we're expecting. He says he's going to launch in 2024, and he made a huge announcement in all of the media about a month ago saying that he uh, saw that he would be putting a million people from Earth in his Mars base by 2030. And when I read that and saw that, knowing that he has said in order for a Homo sapiens sapien to be relevant going into the future, we must become cyborgs, that he must be involved in some kind of a government program, read into the program about ETs, and that the reason for getting this base on Mars with a million humans from Earth by 2030 must have something to do with some kind of communication that is going on among these uh, competing civilizations the DIA told me about, and that 
one of the shocks is that Elon Musk made these statements. They were published in the newspapers, and it was never even discussed on a single news program. I'm sure they probably wanted to cover it up. Well, he was talking publicly. It was all public. And the point I'm making, huge, huge, huge revolutionary forces are at work on our planet. But what is on the 24-7-360 news saturation in all countries seems to be designed to divert us from the big forces that are revolutionizing our Earth right now. I wonder if COVID, in a lot of ways, is a way of keeping people in a perpetual state of fear. I feel when people are in a state of fear, they're not really open and thinking critically. That's why I feel that ever since the dawn of the war on terror back in 2001, I feel there's been a loss of critical thinking. And I remember, because I mean, I'm 42 right now, and I do remember earlier in my life, I felt like people were, like, thought things through. I, I felt we were a less impulsive nation. And I'm wondering if that has to do with the fact that there's always the fear. And when people stay in fear, I don't think they think rationally. Um, now, I am a very passionate advocate of freedom. I love freedom so much. It is the greatest thing. I mean, I, I look at that, I, I can't tell you how much I love it. And I want to be that fire and the placeholder for that. So, if, are there any types of. Uh, species that you've come across that feel that way too? Uh, there are any types of uh, extraterrestrial beings that might want to hang out with some people on Earth that love freedom as well? I mean, we don't have to necessarily, you know, do things together. I mean, just to converse and communicate because sometimes, I mean, you have this insatiable curiosity and you're always exploring, you're always putting things out. I mean, do you feel like it's a wonderful experience to be with like-minded beings, whether they are human or not, in order to be in their presence, in order to share notes, in order to inspire each other? So... Remember, we are babies. Humans may not like thinking of themselves that way, but we truly are babies in this cosmos. So we, we do not have a lot of experiential knowledge on the bigger box of things. And I, on Wednesday nights for the last t- two and a half years, I do an Earth Files YouTube live stream for an hour in which I try to focus on what I think are important breakthroughs in a number of subjects, science, medicine, the environment, real X-Files. And it was a couple of months ago that uh, in the Q&A section of my live stream, uh, the question came to me, You're, Linda, you are 78. I think of it as revolutions around the sun. Birthdays have never <laughs> meant to me what... I don't think that we are supposed to uh, prepare for retirement at 65 and die at 70. And I think that's nonsense. That's part of being babiness. Um, So I've always looked at birthdays since I was a child as a revolution around the sun. And I go out and and I I thank the sun for another revolution. And in that context, that's how I received the question. You've had 78 revolutions around the sun What is the most important thing that you have learned? And what I heard myself say was that freedom, the freedom to explore inside yourself, the freedom to explore outside on the planet, the freedom to contemplate moving out into the solar system, the freedom to be driven by inside your soul, because I think that the soul is the most important part of us, and to me it is real, it is not mythology. 
And then I heard myself saying, we live on a planet where gold and money and jewels are what people have sought. And they are what dent joy. It is the pursuit of the gold that ends up destroying the soul and joy. And if that is not what you allow to drive you, accepting the fact that the barter system is the way this planet works, so you have to be able to generate barter. But in the process, if you don't fall for that deception that you, like the money changers in the temple, that the avatar Christ went and tried to move away from the temple, then if we all did that, that that immediate answer that came to me that out of 78 revolutions around the sun, the one thing that I know is the most important to me, my mind and my soul, is freedom, way more than money. And uh, everyone, uh, Miss Moulton Howe's birthday is on January 20th, and mine's on January 31st. We're both Aquarius, so I guess that's that's part of the inspiration. You know, one of the things I enjoyed you discussing, watching you discuss, is the crop circle. The the aliens, uh, UFO, extraterrestrials, leaving these beautiful symbols. And you can't help but wonder how beautiful they are. I'm curious, have you ever examined any types of symbols and been able to measure them in a vibration in terms of what energetic properties they are emitting? Because my thought process works like, okay, if there are certain symbols, I imagine they would carry a certain frequency, a certain message, a certain vibration. And that vibration would either be a higher or lower, either way, shape, or form. I do wonder if when you look at certain symbols or you see some of them, if they're not just impacting you psychologically, but if they're impacting you on a metaphysical, deeper level, that's why I wonder if some of these symbols are not just meant for our eyes and our ears, but for our souls, that they're specifically meant to trigger things or push humanity to advance its spiritual evolution. So I'm curious what your perspective is on that. In uh, 1993, on my second year trip going over to England to investigate crop formations, a man approached me inside of a pattern. And he said, I have a friend who works for the Central Intelligence Agency in the United States. And when anybody opens up a sentence like that to me, I know they're working for the CIA. That's just a a standard uh, friend who works for the CIA. Uh, And he said, they have satellites in which they have been trying to take photographs of every crop formation as they appear on the planet, and they have been using a bank of Cray computers in which they put the timeline, all of the patterns are on a timeline, and they're analyzing the evolution of the patterns on a timeline as a mathematical language. And they have come to the conclusion that what we are dealing with in the crop formations are markers in time that in a very advanced civilization is experimenting with time travel. Really? And that the the crop formations on the planet 
are markers for them to determine and to calibrate whether or not they are pinpointing where they want to travel in what we would call past, present, and future. That's amazing. That's fascinating. Over the years, there's a gentleman, I think his name is Bob Lazar, when he came out and he, one of the people apparently was working on reverse engineering alien craft, talking about how these propulsion systems work and how they were able to travel. And apparently we've gotten a lot of technology from craft that come to Earth. In terms of technology, have you ever come across anything that leads you to believe that there has been an ability to reverse engineer physical matter back to thought form energy or to allow individuals to manifest from thought form into physical matter much faster? And, uh, and I'll, I'll put this in another context. We look at some of these craft that apparently can leave Earth and travel because they're creating their own gravitational field. My understanding is that Earth is at a certain vibrational frequency. And so because we're in certain vibrational frequency, you can have a thought form, it'll manifest, but it won't manifest instantaneously. So I'm wondering if there's a technology that is out there that allows you to bypass whatever vibrational density you are in at any point in time and allow you to manifest things from thought even quickly or much faster. So has that ever come across your desk as far as reverse engineering physical matter into thought form energy? Well, you're talking about morphogenic fields and the concept that you have thought and consciousness in a mind. Uh, Christ would be a good example. When uh, he manifested the wine, the fish, and the bread for the many, many people, and in that process of doing that, he said something like, ye of little faith, that, uh, that he had the ability to create the morphogenic fields and fill them with matter that would be then wine and bread and fish. In a strange way, today with these printers, using the Xerox printing now to make hearts, to make all any kind of thing, we're going to have the holodeck is going to be on the planet. I in can't wait. Decade, <laughs> and it's not exactly the same because it is then taking what we'll call the molecular level of elements and being able to have computers mix and match them to match what we have learned about the structure of molecules and atoms. So again, it's a mechanical kind of process. Uh, but is sort of magical to the idea that you can do this in a machine and come out with a living heart. But if you get, then go to, to the intention of your question, would we be able to sit and meditate and concentrate in our mind and have influence on molecules and atoms around us and with our mind alone, be able to manifest whatever it is that we are concentrating on. I don't think any human homo sapiens sapien can do that. Throughout history, going back to India and the um, Krishna and the, the Vimanas, there was clearly a period of time in the nation of India going back 5,000, 7,000 years where something that appears to have been extraterrestrial came not not 
at all with any drama, just blue-skinned humanoids who introduced the uh, nation of India and Pakistan to the idea that he had come from what? Said that the universe was teeming with life. That's what uh, Krishna said, and that the Vamanas were transports in this universe. Well, so you've got this uh, arc, this evolutionary arc of beings who have come to the planet. They have manifested matter, which may actually have been technology, just technology. And today, we are already doing it, but we're doing it through a Xerox printer process. We're going to have it transported to the moon. We're going to start making all kinds of things on the moon with these printers, and then Elon Musk, for sure, will have them on Mars. And eventually, where I'm headed is, there will be a moment where the concept for a generation of humans, of evolutionary biology, aging, replacing organs, moving into the cyborg world of Elon Musk saying for humans to remain relevant, that's what they must do. There will be a generation where it will be as natural for them to generate any organ any body, any blood, any anything. And once we have a holodeck world, they will look back on these fragile bodies and the fragile biology of Homo sapiens sapien with pity. I believe that will happen. But the one thing that I wonder, there is something about the Homo sapiens sapiens species that I think is linked to a powerful soul. I'm not certain that in another hundred years, if we are we evolve into spacefaring cyborgs, I don't know that those cyborgs will have the powerful souls that were granted by something to Homo sapiens sapiens. Not sure either. And I... there may be the ultimate experiment of this universe. It may be why we are in this universe, that the divine field experiments in a variety of universes looking for what are the ingredients that can take on powerful souls, evolve them so that the soul itself wants to return to the divine field. Ms. Linda Moulton Howe, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It was a real honor to talk with you and hear your perspectives. Learn more about Ms. Moulton Howe by going to her website at earthfiles.com and you have to see the film if you can. Uh, that, uh, you know, I'm sorry, what's the name of the film one more time? About Antarctica, alien beings but beneath the uh, alien secrets beneath the ice. Thank you so much, Ms. Howe. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our amazing guest, Ms. Linda Moulton Howe. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Constance Dellis, and Ms. Lisa McGarity. To learn more about the Out of Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outoflimitsradio.com. 
Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening.